0: So welcome to We Can Fight Like Cats If We Have To. Um, So this is basically a podcast that the two hosts, myself and Natasha, um, put together because we are tired of fighting like cats and we're pretty darn good at it, but we decided that we know there are other people out there who want to talk about it too. So Natasha and, uh, and I got the idea to start working together to discuss these issues out publicly, and create a safe platform for anybody who wants to have their voice and opinion heard. So Natasha, why don't you tell us a little bit as to why this was an idea for you and you felt important to do this?
1: Well, um, hmm. it's just, just, there were so many things that I wanted to say and I, I feel like they need to be said, but there's no place to say them. Because when you try to say, voice them aloud in regular spaces, uh, they're constantly sort of being ignored or you're being told it's not really happening or it's in your head or you need to have a better attitude. uh, But Natasha, it's all in your head. I'm totally kidding. (laughs) You need to have a better attitude you need to not be so negative and i had uh, young children so i was even getting i think some level of subliminal threats with people saying you don't want to say negative things too much. People might think, you know, you're spreading negativity to your children. So that's very effective that at shutting you up <laughs> really yeah. fast. And um, the goal is just to get you to shut up, period. Uh, I just feel that's the goal. And I also thought that um, other immigrant people would have this um, the same frustration, but it's not across the board. It's, it's not even about being an immigrant, because I keep hearing the word immigrant, and I don't think it's about that, but we'll get into that later. It's just, uh, there is a need to be able to say what you're thinking without being tone policed and being told that you're being negative and divisive. And it cannot be just me. I just, I just don't think it's possible that it's with me. And it's the feeling of relief that you get when you speak to somebody else who's had similar experiences. It's almost like this huge weight has been lifted off your shoulders because it's not just you
0: so that was my yeah i can relate entirely it's um it's nice to find someone who can relate on a complete other level too because it it really is beyond the point of immigrants because yeah i'm born in canada right so for me the argument of this happens to immigrants will I'm not an immigrant. I have just as much right to be here as my parents do, just like you have just as much right to be here as my parents do as an immigrant. But to say, like, even more that the treatment of people who are outsiders is because they're foreign born immigrants. Exactly. I, I have been in this country for 36 years and some because I was created in the womb in this country, born in this country, raised in this country for a huge portion of my raising. It's just, it's, it's funny because even as a Canadian, I am constantly made to feel reminded that I am not part of the society or the community, at least not in Atlantic Canada. Mm -hmm. I think um, in Atlantic Canada, it's a whole other ballgame because There is less exposure to diversity, which is a huge shame. Mm -hmm. And it's really slowing down the evolution of globalization, Mm -hmm. true globalization in Atlantic Canada with that attitude.
1: Well, I think people just people are just not friendly because this is what I hear. People are pretty careful. They don't like to use terms like racist because they know a lot of stuff is going to fall on them if they do say that word. I think now recently we've had people having more courage to say it, but it was always well, people here are not friendly and they won't say adults usually don't hear adults saying well i'm troubled by it they'll say my kids are not able to make friends and you know i feel like they would have more opportunities so i'm moving so it's even though a lot of people come in an equal number move out and it stays at those numbers because People are just coming and leaving, coming and leaving. And
0: um, opportunity to grow, like even as a professional, like yep. I find our, our system in Canada has failed us, has failed us as Canadians, because, you know, we have qualified medical professionals coming into this country and they're making it extremely difficult for these medical professionals to, do to be accredited and recognized at their capacity. And they are very much able to perform some even surpass some of the performance and experience in this country but they just can't get that opportunity be it because the examination the financial cost and the accessibility or just they don't feel even welcomed in their you know place of employment i mean i can even pinpoint you know that my life has gotten significantly easier on paper Mm -hmm. once i got married and my my last name became more palliative i Mm -hmm. guess it was was really relatable to the palate Mm -hmm. it was really a lot more palliative it was was interesting to see that transition it was Mm -hmm. more english more english
1: exactly relatable so it's about but um you were talking about earlier with qualifications it's almost like you have a lot of people who are highly educated and they're brought in because they're highly educated. But once you're here, it's almost like that's all gone because you didn't get qualifications in North America. So I think even some European qualifications don't translate. I think that's Eastern European, whereas Western does, but that's a whole other ballgame. But it's really like a reluctance to believe that education anywhere outside can ever be good enough to allow you to work in the country
0: how has this affected your life like i mean how has being treated like a newcomer as a permanent status affected your life
1: first of all it's just extremely depressing it's almost like it's daily put downs daily your worth is not accepted um your qualifications don't count you don't really belong here and it's it's being told that every single day almost in every single space in different ways some people will be more open about it they'll just ask you to your face i had for example i had an old lady in my neighborhood i think i had recently moved like, this is not the next day this is two or three years later and she said sweetie wouldn't you be more comfortable you know in another neighborhood where there are more people from your you know where you're from which was uh, you know on the surface where am i from <laughs> And that's another thing that surprised me. How do you know where I'm from? I don't think we've ever spoken. So it's, it's almost as if she had a preconception of where I was from and where she thought I needed to be. So and It's amazing because your English is perfect. But like, I there's no,
0: if there is an accent, it's not detectable.
1: No, but the thing is, it's that's where I keep coming back to the fact that it's not about the immigrant status, first of all, how does she know I immigrated? I'm not wearing an abaya. I'm not wearing clothes that are visibly different. Uh, I'm obviously able to understand and speak to her. So how does she think that? Where's that thinking coming from? And if it's not, if it's if you're not somebody who genuinely believes that you have to be of European descent to be from here, if you don't believe that, then why are you asking that question? Where did that question even come from? And what does she mean go with people of, of where you're from? And again, it's being said in a very, I'm trying to be your friend way. And that's one way of doing it. I've actually rarely had people drive by throwing racial slurs at me. That's actually never happened. It's happened to a lot of other people I know. It didn't happen to me, probably because I was a stay-at-home. Mom. It happened to me. Did. <laughs> wow. Okay. It happened to me.
0: So it's, it surprises well, it me. Happens that it hasn't. to lots of people. It
1: happens to lots of people. I think it, I simply happened to be because I was a stay-at-home mom for a long time and strongly discouraged from going out too much initially, which is a whole other story. But. I think I had less interaction. Maybe that was why. But um, you don't have to say the racial slur because you behave that way. It's almost like in any space you go in and people will consciously ignore you. And when you attempt to join a conversation... It's as if you never spoke. I've had people, and, and then I was being told, well, you know, you need to volunteer and you need to get involved in the community. And once you do that, that's going to be fine. People just don't know you. They, just they don't know want to you. involve you. No, they don't really want to involve you. <laughs> so I had a whole other learning experience with that because I would join volunteer opportunities and they would just forget to put me on the email list. If it had been one place or one person, I would say, okay, you know what, this person is forgetful. No, no, this happened in four different volunteer places with with four different groups of people. They would forget, just forget to email me. That is a very passive-aggressive, and I think that's... I keep hearing from Canadians that we're so, we're so nice, we're not like Americans. No, 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 they're open. And we'll say it to your face, whereas the passive-aggressive style is uniquely Canadian.
0: From my I don't even feel like it's Canadian. I really feel like the maritime experience Maybe. is a whole other... Maybe. I think that's why like, so many people will leave the Maritimes. Or at least when I refer to the Maritimes, I refer to specifically New Brunswick. I'm in Moncton, you're in, New, in Fredericton. Yep. And we're both in New Brunswick. And I think that a lot of people leave New Brunswick and move on to Quebec or move on to Ontario and that go to some of truth. the more populated Yeah, cities yeah. are accepted by the general community because it's extremely diverse. Getaways has been so effective that they still find, you know, kind of their belonging. And it's, it's funny because I, I feel like People can be, you have genuinely nice people yes. and you have genuinely loving and helpful people. Yes. And, you know, I've had some incredible love, mm-hmm. but there's a cultural generality where
1: mm-hmm.
0: just, we're friendly, mm-hmm. but we're not actually nice no, I think you know, you're, you're we'll, right we'll about we high from a distance. We're curious. Mm-hmm. We'll tell you you're welcome, mm-hmm. but not really gonna if we do something much. to offend you, that's your problem. It's not our problem. We mm-hmm. don't have to change the way we operate. It's really you. You're the one who's the outsider and you need to just kind of put up with, The abuse is essentially what is being said Mm
1: -hmm. in a
0: very nice way. We'll never use the the terms like abuse Abuse. or racism or racial, you know, segregation. No, that's what it is it's still it's it's still all of those things
1: it's all of those things and i think you're right about um more of a maritime trait than a canadian trait because i have like i was just shocked my first when i when i tried to ask people were telling me just volunteer and everything would be fine no when i had those experiences with people forgetting to email me and forgetting to notify me and forgetting all that um i i reached out to people from ontario and vancouver who i knew and who were also visible minorities and they said you know what yes there are some some professions that are white people's people class, but not the whole community it's not everybody it's specific spaces and like we don't have that experience everywhere so i was glad to know that it's not a canadian issue it's but i was still here and um it is a problem because I, sometimes you just wish that you would just come out they would just come out and say it listen, you're you're really not, we're not comfortable with here. Just say it because then you're making my job really hard because then I have to sort of, Prove to people that no, no, it's really difficult for me to do things when I go outside because people make these experiences which shouldn't be difficult, so difficult. It shouldn't be so excruciating to be able to do something simple in the community, like volunteer in some capacity. Why is that being treated like it's a white people's club? Because that's being honestly, that's what it's about. This is, I find the term immigrant and newcomer, especially newcomer, because I got involved with a lot of um immigrant serving associations and i i said well since maybe this is i was being told oh people don't know you they don't know people from outside so i said if it's an immigrant issue well i need to learn you know how to to integrate and those are misleading terms i think it's a deflection i think the word newcomer especially is a deflection from what's really going on because it's not really about being a newcomer there are british immigrants there are irish immigrants french immigrants and they're almost, Slovenian,
0: received, Scandinavian, Russian yes,
1: almost received with, Oh, thank God you're here because this is who we really want here. There's an acknowledgement that immigration is needed because it is obviously needed for the economy. The economy will simply keep going down if you don't have that the spending and the, the contributors. contributors that you will from, but they have a very clear vision of who they want, and it's not visible minorities, it's not people who are ethnoculturally different, there's almost like um, completely different reception. And when you have these two sort of two different experiences and nobody's talking about it, I don't hear anybody in the multicultural sector talking about the fact that the road to integration is so completely almost directed by what you look like. And what your religious background is and how closely your culture matches what is called Canadian culture i don't even know th- what that is but it's supposed it's a very fluid thing culture is fluid it's ever changing and it's not one thing and at no point do i remember anybody saying well you know when you're when you move you have to do every single thing the mainstream person is doing no you agree to follow the laws you agree to respect each other's cultures but you don't have to do every single thing like tick 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 i never said you know what i, I have kids they're going to be hockey players just because that's the mainstream uh that's, that's i don't know how to skate exactly so i find that sort of almost like it's like, a form of peer pressure please so uh not everybody really wants to be in it's an
0: segregation it's not peer pressure. It's segregation because it's a standard you can't even reach. You can't, you even. can't even reach the standard. Like yeah. I'm born here. And, yeah. and here's the thing, like going back to like the international community that won't talk about the fact that there's these norms and these standards that we can't reach. Yeah, The fact is they that the leaders that. of our international communities, they have themselves to protect they mm-hmm. think that they are accepted, not at the same level, but accepted allowed to by prepare. the general community, mm-hmm. allowed to exist a certain way, as long as they keep everybody else in check. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing is that I find that New Brunswick is really dominated not only by white people, but specifically white men. And yep. so a lot of women in certain authoritarian positions yep. will pretend like they are in control, even though they're very much not Mm -hmm. and we'll pretend they are part of the system, which they're still very much not. They're very much a second Mm -hmm. class citizen in our system. And this opportunity to have this newcomer Mm -hmm. as another person that we can kind of push out Mm -hmm. deflects from their own struggle and makes Mm -hmm. them a little bit more accepted than what they were before. At least that is my understanding of what I analyze. Now, is this the norm and is this the general and is this everybody? Mm-hmm. No, it's not everybody. Not every New Brunswick woman is like that. Not every...
1: No, we can't generalize.
0: Uh, multicultural organizations is like that. Mm-hmm. But this is a general hurdle I find in the New Brunswick province that... It's impossible to get past. And it affects everything that you do. You know, you've you've just, you've constantly got this shadow that you are another person. You don't Mm -hmm. necessarily belong here. Mm -mm. We are not going to change anything to accommodate you. Well, we're not asking to be accommodated at the cost of anything. We are asking for equal treatment treatment that would be given equally to anybody else. It's very much frustrating. Like I remember once when I was a kid and we went to McDonald's and my father is a professor in engineering and he's been in New Brunswick since I believe it was the early seventies. And this young teenage girl says to my father, well, where are you from? You're not Canadian. Mm. And I'm like, he's at least 30 years more Canadian than Mm -hmm. you are. Oh, wow. Okay. So for you to say that he's not Canadian, he's at least 30 years more Canadian than you are, sunshine. Like, <laughs> no. And and it's, it's that subliminal, like, or that passive, like when a child even not can understand the term that, uh-huh. no, you're not really Canadian. Uh-huh. Where are you from? And here's the bigger part. Like, it's not like I love being told to go back to my country. I'm like, well, what country are you referring to? Mm-hmm. The one my parents love,
1: but um, the the go back to your country thing. I mean, I think um, it typically comes out when you complain about you're not getting a service or you were clearly getting inferior service and the moment you say listen i'm noticing a pattern here and this person is consistently treating me differently well if you don't like it why don't you go back to your country and like that's when it comes out the moment you say why am i not being treated like an equal citizen And it's a defense response. And I've heard it from people who claim to be my friends, from immigrant right advocates, women who worked specifically as social workers to empower other women. Uh, So if I had just heard this from white men, I wouldn't be surprised. But look at the kind of people you're hearing it from who are supposed to be helping you get equal treatment. So it's almost like it's a defensive reaction. Like you don't have a right to ask for equal treatment. And as far as people, you know, being like, there was that episode with that uh, radio show commentator, what's his name? John, Don Cherry. You remember that? That happened last year. And he was saying, you guys come here and you like our honey or I don't know. (laughs) where that came from. But I'm thinking, you know, there's this entitlement to, I belong here because my ancestors uh, are from here and we founded everything and we made all this infrastructure. And you know what? Yes, I have a lot of respect for people who worked hard and who put in the work and who came in really cold weather. And that was definitely difficult. And I respect them, but I don't see how that respect should translate to you because what did you have to do with it? Like, were you yeah. there holding their hand while they were doing it? No, I don't think you were. So that respect doesn't translate. It doesn't make any sense to me why I'm supposed to give you respect for your ancestors. That's bizarre to me. Yes, you know, I acknowledge the work that they did, but that doesn't mean that you have a right to treat other people badly as a result and and say that people who are contributing and being responsible citizens should be somehow constantly grateful in a constant state of gratitude for just
0: every once i checked i paid just as many taxes as everybody else <laughs> i wait double the wait time as other people i'm sure exactly. um i get stared at funny i get all sorts of bizarre bizarre questions questions and you know the questions don't even bother me no, they don't not you anymore. know most people ask because they're genuinely curious. Mm. You can tell when someone is asking because they're genuinely curious. right? Or when they're being, in a- but that majority is not by much. I mean, maybe there's 10% more people that ask because they're curious right. than there are to kind of fulfill their agenda. You know, like I actually just had a conflict on, um, on Facebook. Someone I know blocked and deleted me, which I welcome anybody to do really in this kind of situation. But they were speaking about that poor five-year-old boy, Connor. I think his name was in the U.S. who was shot for no reason. And I shared an explanation, stating, "Oh, you with know, the
1: the man who went to jail right afterwards,
0: right immediately shot, after, right, yes, shot. the man who immediately was, you know, arrested, yeah. charged, put yeah. in jail, and I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure has already uh, faced a, a somewhat okay. sentencing." Um, yeah. I shared it and I explained and I said. This is not comparable to George Floyd. No, this is not comparable to Breonna Taylor. And I don't know, I'm really tired of people, right wing conservatives, sharing this and shadowing the Black Lives Movement Mm -hmm. because this is not comparable. It's literally like comparing an apple to an SUV. Like there's no, it's not even apples and oranges. It's an apple and an SUV. Like this is a tragedy. This child was murdered in cold Mm -hmm. blood. I agree. Mm -hmm. But
1: not comparable. We
0: are asking for equal treatment. Breonna Lewis was killed five months or six months ago now. Mm -hmm. No charges have been laid. No arrest warrant. Nothing we're not even asking for something above and beyond right we're asking for equal treatment we're asking that when we apply for our passport that Mm -hmm. you know we're not we're we're not subjected to delays that are (laughs) unnecessary we're asking that if we go to the police authorities we're not told it's a cultural misunderstanding Mm -hmm. when we know very well it's a hate crime Mm -hmm. um and it seems to me like in the criminal system or in the in the court of public opinion the burden of proof is not only on us as members of community who pay just as many taxes, work mm-hmm. just as hard and mm-hmm. contribute just, just as, as, much as much social level. Mm-hmm. The burden of truth is not just on us, but it's a burden that is impossible to do because impossible. the benefit, the weight of benefit of the doubt is is so extraordinary extraordinarily high. And you, you go to the other end of the spectrum and, and you're talking about the generations of Canadians that have built before this generation that we are dealing with. Mm-hmm. My husband is fifth generation Canadian on his mother's side. Mm-hmm. And yet someone kept asking him over and over and over, well, where are you from? Mm-hmm. And he kept responding Canadian, mm-hmm. but because his father is of Jamaican background mm-hmm. and my husband happens to have a darker complexion. Canadian didn't suffice. And then one person actually sarcastically said, Yeah, well if you're Canadian, I'm Chinese. You know? And it's just like, oh my gosh. That is just we're looking for equal treatment. Mm -hmm. We're looking for an equal level of respect. We're looking for when we come in with a general complaint that Mm -hmm. you don't interrogate us, intimidate us, Mm -hmm. or act like we're attacking you simply because we are putting in question something that we are being forced to deal with. It's even more concerning. I mean And it's just generally terrifying. The resistance. It's generally terrifying for me to have a confrontation. Yeah. Like having to have any confrontation is so. Triggering. (laughs) Beyond triggering. Like I have to, they say pick your battles, but when you're a person of color, you have to pick your battles even more carefully than anybody else. Uh Because you can't pretend that you have the same rights as everybody You
1: can't be angry. You can't be angry ever. People can be not just offensive, but creepy and in your face and openly violating your rights. And you're told, no, no, you can't be angry with them because you know what, that's going to look bad on you. So you have to swallow that. And it's almost, initially I thought, because... When you are dealing with it yourself, you think, well, maybe I need to do things differently. Maybe I don't know how to respond properly. I need to learn how to talk to people so they understand what I'm saying. Because I was so frustrating saying, listen, every single place I go, this is how I'm treated. And what am I supposed to do? Nobody's listening. Nobody... No, no. First of all, there's this massive attempt at gaslighting, which I think is on a societal level. It's not just one or two individuals. It's almost like person A does... The discriminatory act. Person B witnesses it and pretends they didn't see it, and then tries to convince you that you just read it wrong. And then it goes around, it's it's almost like there is a circle of complicity, and it, it's just built around you, and you have no one who's willing to admit that, listen, yes, you suffered an injustice. And I don't know if it's the, the wider the community, and I don't like using that term, but it's true, the wider the community, the more tight those circles are. There's a reason everybody runs to the GTA and runs to Vancouver and runs to Montreal because they know that when you have a more diverse group of people, it is much harder for these groups to function in this highly efficient way that they do. It's like a well-oiled machine, almost like it's it's passing the buck. Okay, I didn't see it. You didn't see it. None of us saw it. And if for some way this person can prove this happened without our help, we're going to all sort of pretend that it's their fault. So exactly going going through all that why would anybody want to put themselves through that so what we all do is we end up saying you know what this is too hard i'm not going to fight this battle today and then you say nothing and then you fall into this pattern of saying nothing and even worse what i've seen is people of color telling other people of color to say nothing because some of them know what's going to happen and some of them simply don't want to be part of that blowback that's going to happen. So it's almost like this is such an exhausting experience uh, to be the recipient of, I think, almost chronic hate crimes on a subliminal level because if it's a shooting yes that makes the news but a lot of things fall below shootings and are yeah. can be very very destructive to your health to your mental status to your financial viability all of these things if they're damaged on a chronic level your children's safety that's a whole other issue that needs to be talked about which is not being talked about because even children are being gaslighted uh when they come forward and say listen Um, this person was was you know unfair to me I think my daughter was four when she had her first experience she was in preschool and she came home and she was she was a happy kid and she came home and she was really quiet and kind of stunned I said what's wrong and she said this boy said I couldn't sit in the circle with them because I wasn't one of them and I don't understand what does he mean and I think her confusion was because I hadn't raised her with the, um, you're different because, you know, you were a different religion and we have, no, I never said those things to her because she was three years old. Why would I burden a three-year-old with all that? So she, until that moment, she never questioned. She was just like everybody else Till this kid said it to her. And on, you know, further questioning, she said, I said, that's really surprising. And didn't the teacher say anything? And she said, well, his mom was, his mom was, the, was, the, was watching us at that time, and she, his mom was one of the teachers on the staff. And then I take it to the director who says, I'm sure your daughter's mistaken. That could never happen. And I said, you can, you know, you can ask her, why would I make this up? She was really shocked. And so she asked, her, and she says, this could not have, She's telling my daughter. She's not asking her. She's like, I'm, you're mistaken. She would never say that, and she could never tolerate that. This could not have happened. I think you just misunderstood. So this is the, and this is not just an isolated incident. I've seen this continue throughout. It's happened to me as a child. It happened, okay. So like- Over and thing. over and over again. It didn't happen. Like- you're mistaken, <laughs> you got it wrong, that's- Pardon? What did you say, sorry? No, the, this is, didn't happen, you're mistaken. You must've gotten it wrong. This person could never have said this. Oh never- no,
0: even better. <laughs> I mean, in my, like, it's happened many times. But mm-hmm. in one of the clearest ones in my memory, I was assaulted in grade six
1: mm-hmm.
0: um by a group of children who would eventually go and become actual white supremacist skinheads. Mm-hmm. Um but in grade six they're still young and in, I'm sure in the initiation phases. Yep. And um so if you close your eyes and you envision, like I'm literally playing tetherball, right? Minding my business with a group of kids. Right, And all of a sudden, I am swarmed and surrounded in a circle and isolated. So if I was to compare this to something, it's like if you're watching National Geographic, Mm -hmm. a herd of female lions or hyenas about to attack a... um, um, assault. a buffalo, a young buffalo from the others to separate it, to kill it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like it's unmistakable mm-hmm. the assault pattern where mm-hmm. they literally surrounded me in a circle, wow. separated me from the rest, started shoving me in the circle. Eventually I'm on the ground and I'm getting kicked. And my injuries were bad enough that I was eventually taken to the hospital with pretty severe injuries that I still deal with to this day. And the principal said to my parents, Mm -hmm. oh, no, no, she's mistaken. They were all friends and they were playing.
1: Yes. Oh, my God. The similarities are uncanny. Um, The same wording. What? The same wording. Like, it's just, what did what? How is that playing? How is,
0: like, (laughs) how is that for like from one look, how it's and it's funny it's because you and I are on a talk show together. Right, it's, you and I are on a talk show together. Yep, yep. You, and you brought said up to- gaslighting in one of our episodes mm-hmm. to a member of our like our provincial assembly, parliament, mm-hmm. and he gaslit you, <laughs> and I thought it was kind of hilarious. I mean it's just it's you have to laugh. Well, actually, you have to laugh. I because I wasn't because when I brought up point we're, point we're literally when headed. I brought up
1: gaslighting for children I said it's not just adults who face gaslighting it's children and it's being done in every single time they bring forward um some time that they were discriminated against or something abusive happened or race based bullying Um, they're systematically told by each and every single person that they say this to that they're mistaken, that it didn't happen, or if it happened, it was somehow, maybe they, they provoked it somehow. So if this is done to you repeatedly over and over and over again, and what's going to happen? You're going to stop complaining, or you're going to doubt yourself, or you're going to get depressed. And what is going to happen is your level of function is going to go down. And when you think about it, and I'm not looking at the people on the ground who are doing it, but I'm when you think about the kind of system that designs this kind of treatment, that has to be the point. I mean, this is not just a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing. This is this is a this is a planned strategic sort of targeting of Complete, just deny, deny, deny. This didn't happen, deny it. And no matter what happens, keep denying it. If for some reason this person can prove it happened, we're all going to, just like they surrounded you in a circle, the whole community will surround you in a circle. Yes, there will be some nice people who will stay out of it, but they're not going to fight that circle because it's terrifying. It's too terrifying. Um, So you're going to have this circle of complicity and those people are all going to say you somehow asked for it you were doing something that got those people to do that. And it's hard enough for an adult, but for a child, it would be terrifying. So when, when, when it's done by uh, people who are in the Department of Education or it's, it's school officials who are doing this, then it's it's much more serious. Uh, I think when we were speaking to the minister, and I think he said it's, uh, well, if people in rural New Brunswick, uh, you know, uh, think that, treat people differently because they look different, they don't know what they're doing. I actually wasn't talking about people in rural New Brunswick because their confusion and their um, surprise they see somebody who looks different is understandable. But when it's, um, when it's policymakers who are you know, in a department that decides policy for the province, then you have another problem. That's that's a whole different level of of denial and gaslighting. And it's very serious. And it doesn't matter if, I mean, at this point, for years, I was afraid to say this. I was like, if I say this, what's going to happen? Everyone's going to gang up on me. I can't afford to say it. Honestly, what do you have to lose? Like, this is going to go on whether or not you say it. So... More of us need to keep saying it and we need to be loud and we need to just keep saying it. Yes, you're going to lose some friends. Yes, you're going to lose some party invitations and some people might even lose a job. But is it worth it to exist in this this demeaning manner? It's, I don't think it's worth it for
0: all of us to submit to that. Um, well, let it go even further. Like, being for our children to told that if someone from a small village is saying something racist, you know, to be understanding, to be kind. Mm, yes, I heard I mean, you yeah, a kind. Would they do the same consideration for me if I, I said no something that no. was rude and offensive and inconsiderate? You know what? Why should the responsibility be on it's always me to always. be kind? Because now you're asking someone who is already on high security alert mm-hmm. so adrenaline is already high yes you're already in fight or flight mode mm-hmm. okay and then you have the added pressure of being the one responsible for the behavior of the person in front of you mm-hmm. by how you react by that's how not you. okay that's not okay no, it's, it's not, not okay for grown-ass adults it's not okay for children no one should be subjected to that and personally no. Yes. If someone says something and they ask an honest question or they make an honest mistake, Mm -hmm. that's one thing. And I would be understanding whether it's about the color of my skin or the curl of my hair or -hmm. the career that I'm doing or the color I paint my toes, I would behave the same way. Mm -hmm. But if it is something that is attacking Mm-hmm. there's no such thing as naively or accidental racism there's no, there's no, there's no such no, and thing clear. and there's no such thing as comparing things to bullying
1: you there's, know what
0: if somebody's being a bully yeah then that asshole needs to be punished mm-hmm. and if their purpose of being a bully is because they're a racist then that, then that, needs that asshole to be- needs to be punished like it's it just it, it doesn't
1: no why, it needs to be brought up that
0: people of color have to be more tolerant it just doesn't Make sense?
1: No, no, it makes complete sense because if your whole goal is to make sure people of color can never compete with on an equal level for the same privileges and for the same rights and for the same services, then it makes complete sense that you would do this, and you would damage sense of self esteem, or damage their who they are as a person and just keep doing it until they're battered on a daily basis. I see children who are battered emotionally by having to deal with this kind of crap on a daily basis. Now, one thing I brought up was you had, this was a very physical act that you dealt with. And I think I, you know, I don't know about all schools, but from what I've seen, I was also really scared for my children when they entered the school system because I was dealing with racist And bigoted acts on a regular basis. And I said, if this community is like this, if they can do this to me, uh, and I'm, I'm at that point, I think I had a two year old and a four year old, I'm literally carrying them around and I'm by myself and you can do this to me, then how can I trust that you're going to be good with my kids you so can't. I was, no, you can't. And so when I would bring this up, it was almost like, oh, well, nothing would ever happen. Oh, you sure you're mistaken. All that whole line of drivel that you're given, which is, as we know, it's not true. But the one thing that I did notice was that the the level of expectation I had of physical bullying, that was not what I had expected it to be, because I think that has gone down Um, in the last 20 years, because there's been such Uh, a zero tolerance, I think. There's they're much more proactive about people to just
0: psychologically destroy the children instead. Yes,
1: so it's very sort of uh, what kids have seen is is exclusion, is constant denial of opportunities um, that other children would get, and what happens is they're so battered at the end of it um, that they don't really have the same confidence to achieve what they've done, or even close. And you have children who are depressed and almost suicidal, and this is uh, and. And when you complain about it as a parent, listen, my kid is being consistently, my daughter was the only girl in her entire class of 10 girls who was not in the group. She was just the only one. And every time I would go and say, listen, this is really bad and this is abnormal and this is, please, can you do something about it? Can you look into it? Well, we, we can't really do anything about it because, you know, maybe it's because, um, you know, she's not reaching out. Tell her to go and uh, talk to these girls and ask them to include her. And I'm thinking, and I would go back to her and she said, are they insane? Why?
0: Should they slap her in the face next time? Like, what uh, What are they waiting for?
1: What am I supposed to do? Like, how am I supposed to go up to them? And she said, and I would kept getting excuse after excuse. Maybe it's because, you know, she's she's shy. Maybe it's this everything except addressing the fact that she was the only minority person in the group, which is obvious <laughs> it's completely obvious but you are you're doing everything to not address that and i didn't understand because these were some of these people were nice people like they were nice good people and they would never have been actively racist themselves so i'm thinking why would nice people be so unwilling to deny willing to accept they're acknowledge not nice they're friendly and no then i started asking like Is there some policy about racism in schools? And I would ask these questions at meetings, which is probably why people would forget to email me because I started asking these questions at these committees. And um, so, (laughs) but I did ask and the answer was, we don't use the word racism in, in schools. We don't want to divide the children. We don't want to put in negativity into their minds we use happy words like diversity and inclusion so this is the official sort of status quo as if as of a few months ago that they don't want to use words like racism in the present tense it is addressed as in oh yes this happened hundreds of years ago uh, with you know black slaves and it happened with the first nations but you know we are past that now and we're not we don't yeah. do that anymore and. It, there's another thing um what my daughters brought up they said they only talk about for the experience of the first nation we get that that is very vital because they are the first nations but they're like they're just completely forgetting that maybe other people are treated badly too and why is that not being addressed and being that from a muslim background they're saying why is why is uh, that never even brought up? They said we've never even heard that uh, different religions are given uh, negative sort of connotations. So it's a very sort of the curriculum is grossly lacking. First of all, that's one thing, but it's well,
0: it's, you can't use the term inclusion without educating. The children on mm-hmm. what they are including.
1: The if whole, you want
0: to talk about including other religions, other cultures, other da 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 da.
1: No, it's done in yeah. a very. I went to
0: the school level. system in the French system, and that from was- grade two to grade eight, I learned about the history of the deportation Uh in Canadian political political history. I learned, and maybe some ancient Egypt hieroglyphic Uh, crap. Okay. picking and choosing. Yeah. They did not teach anything about diver, teach anything about slaves. I left for two years, Mm -hmm. went to a school overseas, for two years, and learned, learned about every country in the world, what political system this country mm-hmm. had, what religions this country Same. had, what type of leadership and, mi- and military these countries have, yeah. what is the name of their capitals, what country they're located in, what is their climate, what is their history. Mm-hmm. For two years, grade 9 and 10 came back in grade 11. And they were still talking about To it. the deportation, <laughs> Canadian history. And maybe a little bit of ancient Greece and hieroglyphics. Oh, it, it's... We can't say that we're trying to promote inclusion. No. If we don't include things in our academic system. We can't say that we're talking about inclusion if we have a double standard yeah. on how we are going to treat different appearing people different, opinions. and people who choose to live their lives differently.
1: Yes. No, and it's... it's, it's...
0: Um, Sorry, um... No, I was going to say No, go ahead. Well, I, I'll let you have the closing point really. I don't
1: think it's um I don't want to say because I I don't think it's individuals. Like I don't think it's it's like everybody because when I would speak to my daughter's teachers and I would say listen these kids need to be educated about other backgrounds and other cultures and stop treating this kid like she's some outsider. And And they were actually like, they were very open to it. They were like, listen, it's not in our curriculum, but you are more than welcome to come and talk to the class. So I felt as individuals, t- teachers that I interacted with my kids, teachers were very welcoming, but it was, I felt like they could not acknowledge any discriminatory act on a on a sort of a higher level. I didn't feel that it was coming from the teachers. It was coming from above. It was not even the school staff because I would take it to the principal. Like there were times where my daughter's exclusion went on for a whole year. And at that point I took it to the principal. And I said, listen, this is enough. If Your kids are actively bigoted. Like this needs to be addressed. You need to have an assembly or something. How can they do this? This is shocking. Look at this, look at the year we're in. And, um, you know, they said, we can't do that. We don't have permission. We don't have permission to talk about this in that context. We don't have permission to use words like racism. And so this is not about teachers. This is not about staff, like not every person in the staff. It's coming, there's a policy, it's an actual policy to deny this. And that's where the change needs to begin because it's not individual teachers on the ground who are usually sympathetic to their student. It's coming from above and they can't even do anything about it. Of course. So so the problem is the policymakers. That's the problem. And if all of them, that's why I asked that question in the same talk show to the minister, what percentage of employees in the Department of Education are minorities? And I think he said he had no idea, but like, I'm guaranteeing even if they do have minorities, they're going to be the kind of minorities who are so desperate to be in that job that they are not going to speak up. Because if they were speaking up, it wouldn't be so completely tone deaf and not at all understanding of the damage that is being done to children by this I don't think they even have the platform to speak up. No, I don't think so.
0: Like, there's really no system for them to speak up in. And, and the fact think, is, like, going it alone. No, Even they if would, they wanted to speak up, they would, probably be they left would have to have peers them. with them.
1: <laughs> no, they wouldn't. No, because if yeah. you're, like, one person in a whole table, um, that's – it's a very – it's a very sort of isolating experience to be able to try to speak up because you're, then they're not going to invite you next time. I've actually heard uh, employees who are in at a policy table saying, if I say this policy is racist. I'm not going to be invited back. And they say, at least I'm invited. At least I'm there. At least I can, you know, at least I, I'm involved and it's, it's um and it's interesting that there's never more than one. It's always mm-hmm. the one. That's why you have the word token minority um i think at some point um we need to start insisting i think the population needs to start insisting on having a quota system if you don't have a quota system they're not going to have the required number of people that's what was done with women when women had to start being incorporated into government legislatures all over the world that was done in my country because they simply would not have put them otherwise so if you don't have you have to start with implementation of some kind of quota system. Otherwise, it's simply not going to... There's always going to be somebody who's a better fit for the job. That's what you're told when you apply for jobs and you're more, more more qualified than the other person, but they were a better fit. Okay, so I don't know what
0: that means, but... Or you're overqualified. You're overqualified. We don't want to understimulate you, so we're not <laughs> even going to give you the chance. Yeah. So I don't know... What I think our that. work is cut out for us in this province, but, um, I mean, I think I'm looking forward to another... Night of fighting like cats with you,
1: mm-hmm. and <laughs> but, uh, getting, stimulating other people to 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 be the change, you know, and mm-hmm. to come out and say it because it it's it aches when you can't say what you need to say. Like there's an ache there. Like you have to sort of, you feel like
0: you're being stifled, it's right? It's painful. It's painful. Literally, yep. It's literally painful and sickening. I hope this offers everyone who hears it a platform to, you know, join into the conversation. Um, and and we look forward to hearing from different people with different experiences. And hopefully this just grows, this grows into a movement. I hope everyone starts to fight like cats and mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to another discussion about fighting like cats with you. Um, <laughs> so we will, uh, we'll be having some weekly sessions and um, if there's any topics out there that you want to hear about, send our group a DM, mm-hmm. but um, then we thank can- you, Tasha, for thank you. this great night. All right. Mm-hmm. So everybody have a great night and uh, we'll talk soon. Oh, awesome.